It's time to get down in the mud and dig into a classic from the Italian Godfather gore. That's right. We are going Lucio Fulci on you in this episode. And if you haven't seen this movie, I suggest you stop playing with your friend and check this movie out immediately. Of course, I'm talking about the eyeball gouging, shark infested, stench of dead bodies movie that is 1979's Zombie. Let's go. You have killed, and you will kill again. Yes, Horror Maniacs, your buddy Rick is back to lead you through another fun-filled episode, and I couldn't resist but spreading the love I have for Italian horror flicks. So having to settle on one movie to rope you in, break you in gently to the absurd world that is Italian horror, I picked the rip-off, and I'm going to say it sometimes superior to Dawn of the Dead movie, Lucio Fulci's Zombie. And now Lucio, he'll be stopping by this show a lot because he's got a lot of movies we're going to talk about in this show. But for this one, this is probably his most digestible movie for you to handle. <laughs> The zombie craze was really starting to crawl out of the grave at this point, around 78, 79. So Dawn of the Dead was absolutely huge. And a lot of people really think that Fulci kind of just was riding the coattails of this thing and cranked out this movie to follow it up because of some story dialogue that kind of happens of why this movie was called Zombie in the first place. But it really isn't that true. Uh, this movie and Dawn of the Dead were kind of shot at the same time. But here's how we break it down. So stick with me. I can lose you. It's kind of it's kind of confusing. So you had Dawn of the Dead, George Romero, classic, absolute classic, right? Um, which was produced... By Dario Argento, a great Italian director, my favorite personally. Uh, also, you had the soundtrack done by Goblin, who is an Italian rock band that did the soundtracks for a lot of the, the Argento stuff. Argento convinced Romero, George Romero, to give him the rights to actually take Dawn of the Dead when it's done, make another cut of it, release it in Europe, and call it Zombie. 
It's released over there as Zombie. It's a huge hit. And I don't know if it's actually the producers or the people that actually own the film or whatever that with Fulci's film that decided to call this movie, stick with me, Zombie 2. All right? So they basically made a movie that had nothing to do with Dawn of the Dead, the sequel to Dawn of the Dead, a.k.a. Zombie. So you kind of get this confusion of it being kind of a ripoff. Well, there was some back and forth with that. But needless to say... This movie stands on its own, man. It's got its own legs or legs that fall off, all that kind of good stuff. So what's even crazier is the fact of it was released over there as Zombie 2 or also Zombie Flesh Eaters. But when they brought it to the States to be seen, they just called it Zombie. So in the States, we call it Zombie. Now I think in other areas, we call it Zombie Flesh Eaters, and then it's also known as Zombie 2. So this movie's got a lot of different names from a lot of different areas, but it doesn't matter. It's awesome. So this movie starts off with a bang, literally. The boat can leave now. That's the opening. Then we roll right into the credits, and we get the incredible music from Fabio Fritzi. Roll it. So we get a little lapse of time here when an abandoned boat shows up in the New York Harbor by itself. Now, I'm assuming this is a long way off. We don't know how this happens. But anyways, it's to get the story going. But on arrival, we do get some carnage because the patrol officers get on the abandoned boat. Or is it? The officers get on the boat and they go down inside of it. And the boat is just filled with crap. It looks like a teenager's been living in there. <laughs> it's pitiful. You got food that's been sitting there for like three or four weeks. And you also get some staples that are just in every Fulci movie that you're going to get. You're going to get some bugs, some worms, some nasty looking crawling stuff. That's just his thing. And there's plenty of that to go around. But while digging around, one officer flips the sheet back and there's a decayed hand laying there. And that's pretty gnarly looking. And while he's looking at that, out of one of the doors comes our first zombie we get to see. And he basically looks like Abdullah the Butcher eating a meatloaf. And he forces one of the officers on the ground. And then the officer reaches up and knocks a big chunk off of Billy Bob Zombie's arm. And it's got all decayed crap in it. Got bugs and stuff crawling in it. It's, again, it's Fulci. This is just the way his stuff looks. But then he starts nibbling on the officer and just making a snack out of it. Then Abdullah the Butcher climbs up and goes on the deck of the boat where the other officer is standing, and he's slowly creeping up to the officer, and the officer just unloads on him, and he falls off in the water, and then we pan up to the skyline of New York City. This brings us to the next scene where we get an icon of Italian horror flicks, Ian McCulloch, who in this movie is playing Peter West, and he's a journalist. Yes, folks, every Italian horror flick, you're going to follow a journalist. That's just the way this thing works. Peter West, though. Sounds like a name for another kind of movie. Just saying. But Pete goes into an office and he sits down with his boss, who is none other than Lucio Fulci himself, sitting there with dialogue that really doesn't mean anything. But he basically is telling them, hey, we need to scoop on the story about this boat, right? So that's what we're chasing now. We're chasing a boat that just showed up. 
that can't be exciting news to for a journalist. But hey, who knows? It is New York. I'm sure it's pretty boring there. So we cut back to the boat and we have an interrogation of the daughter of the boat owner. So she's there trying to figure out why her dad's boat is there, but she has no idea. But they're just raking her over the coals for it. Where's your father now? I don't know. Actually, I was hoping you could tell me. I haven't heard from him in over a month. I see. And uh, how long since you last spoke to him? And then we jump to a scene where we got a couple of doctors that are doing an autopsy on our first cop that got bit earlier, right? He died. That's the case. So they're looking at this guy, and these two are something else. During this examination, you basically have the lead singer of Jethro Tull telling Lamont Sanford, can you tell what happened to this? Do you know how these lacerations happened? I do. So he's trying to tell this guy just how dumb he is because he doesn't know anything about what they're doing. These two have a funny chemistry, man. You can almost hear the sitcom music playing with these two guys are on screen. It's almost like these guys need their own TV series. So while Jethro Tull is giving this guy a hard time, we pan down to the body and further down on the sheet, we start seeing some movement. I don't think he's dead. Later on that night, we get where Anne sneaks back to the boat, which is kind of weird because it's her dad's boat. I know it's a murder scene, but at the same time, we're still trying to figure out why this boat is even here. But she sneaks back in, even though there's a guy standing outside guarding the ship. Apparently, he's just not a very good cop. But she sneaks back in there, and while she's in there, she meets Peter West. He's in there sneaking around, too. But they get together. They start talking about trying to figure out what's happened on this boat. And while they are, one of them makes some noise, and our cop from outside comes down to investigate what's going on. And Pete comes up with a great idea of how to get out of this. So they start making out in one of the beds over here, and the cop comes down and catches them. And they just act like they're just out fooling around, and this would be a good place to get it on. Brilliant. The cop says, all right, get on out of here. <laughs> it's never worked for me, but hey, go for it, Pete. This is all your fault. You realize that, don't you? It was his idea, not mine. Well, listen to her, Miss Goody Two-Shoes. It wasn't her fault. It was all my idea. Well, whose idea was it to have a romantic setting down by the water? I'd have settled for an empty boxcar. Oh, no, never again. Not another boxcar. Yeah, well, she takes after her mother. They're both bananas. You leave my mother out of this! He's crazy. All right, enough it. of this now. Both of you, get out of here. Okay, officer, okay. Anything you say. Come on, sweetie. It cuts to the next morning where Pete is standing outside in a payphone. Yep, but we still used to have those. And Ann is standing there, and he's got a letter that he found while they were on the boat basically explaining where they were at. They were at this island. And he's calling Lucio Fulci, his boss, to get permission to make a trip to this island and try to figure out what's going on if their dad's even still alive. So they get permission to take the trip, and then it cuts to them being further down south, obviously. And they're asking the cab driver, do they know anybody that would have a boat that could take them somewhere? And this guy just, I guess he just knows everybody on the dock. But yeah, I know somebody can take you there. And then Pete says he has to go to Matul. Greatest name for an island ever. 
Matul. Have you been to Matul? Has anybody seen Matul? Sure would like to go down to Matul. Anyway, Pete says he'd pay any price to get to Matul. So the driver drops them off at the dock, and they run into a couple of Americans that are there that have a boat and have nothing else better to do than to get slaughtered. So they get to talking to them, and they're like, hey, we're on vacation, but hey, yeah, we can make a run. We can do some things. And then Pete says, I have to get to my tool. <laughs> well, they both get really nervous about it, which I would too if somebody said I need to get to my tool. But anyways, they decide, okay, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And the owner of the boat, you can tell, is just a kind of a Jeff Bridges ripoff. And then his wife or girlfriend, whatever she is, is a photographer of some sort. Again, this is just your building of the characters. That's the way the Italians roll. You don't need a little dialogue. You don't need to know who these people really are. Just put them on a path. Now back on Matul, we have a scene where the doctor is calling Guatemala One. Whatever the heck that's supposed to mean, but he's calling them on the radio, making contact. What's going on is a great exodus from this island. Everybody's either leaving or they're dying and coming back and not leaving. That's your two choices. While he's making this call, his wife shows up and she's not happy with the whole situation. She wants nothing more than to get off of this island because, again, you got a lot of crazy stuff going on. Now, we don't get much backstory on this. Either she just wants to get off the island because she can't stand him or because he smells like beer all the time or he just smells, period, or smells like dead people. That's just what he does. He's a doctor, right? So she's not happy at all. And how do you deal with this kind of situation? That's right. Alcohol! And I have to say, this scene right here is possibly the best acting I've ever seen in any Fulci movie because that's not really what his movies are known for. But this is pretty good stuff. Not horror, but good acting. But out of this great acting leads us to something that I do love. Slapping! So now we cut back to the boat and they're traveling along and then they realize they're looking for an uncharted island. Has anybody seen my tool? <laughs> my tool's missing. And then, holy taco Tuesday, Susan, our photographer, decides that she wants to go scuba diving. Naked! So she's getting suiting up, and everybody's just staring at her on the side of the boat, and she's strapping on an aqualung on her back and on her front, and uh, she just dives into the water. So we get some scenes underwater where she's taking pictures of some fish and stuff, but you're not paying attention to any of that. There's a naked woman under the water. And while she's diving under the water, Anne is the only person that's come back to her senses, and she sees, off in the distance, an island. They were there by it the whole time, apparently. Susan's down there diving in the water, and she runs into a shark. She swims back up to the top water to let everybody in the boat know, hey, there's a shark coming. So the big Lebowski grabs a gun and starts shooting at the shark, and the shark rams the boat, and Susan goes back down and tries to hide under the water. Now, when she's hiding down there, we get one of the craziest scenes ever put on film right here, right now. While she's down there hiding from the shark... A hand reaches out and grabs her arm. She's hiding in a little cove. And it's a zombie. Dude is walking underwater. And he reaches out and he grabs her. And she is trying to get away from him. And he's like grabbing her. So she's fighting with the zombie and trying to get away from him. And she reaches around and grabs a piece of coral. And just starts scratching his face. <laughs> and you get one of the most human responses from a zombie I've ever seen. Because he basically takes it and goes... Ugh. So that kind of ruins the effect of him being a zombie and not really giving a crap. But still, you gotta love it. 
so at this point, she noticed the shark is coming, and she gets away just in time, and then we get ready to rumble. We are going to have a shark fight a zombie. Yes, 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 yes. You just can't make this stuff up. A real dude and a real shark going at it. And I can imagine the conversations when they were setting this stuff up. Again, that's why I love the Italian flicks, because they don't give a crap. Uh, hey, uh, Lucio, I mean, is there going to be like a piece of plexiglass or something? Like he's going to be, you know, the shark's in a tank and I'm, you know, on the other side and it's going to look like, or you got like a dummy shark? No, no. Real dude, real shark. <laughs> that's what's so awesome about it. So what's great about it, the shark comes at the zombie first. And the zombie, like, grabs a chunk of meat off the shark and starts eating it right there. And then the shark comes back after the zombie, and the zombie tries to latch onto the shark. And then, <laughs> and then the shark bites onto dude's arm and just rips the zombie's arm off. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, uh, it's incredible. So after this is going on, we cut back to Susan getting back on the boat, still naked. And then she gets in a chair and they cover up with a blanket and she starts describing there was a dude down there under the water and they think she's just completely out of her mind. And it could be because that stupid flower skull cap she had on is maybe a little too tight. Who knows? So you're probably saying right now, Rick, how can you possibly top that? How are you going to top that? Oh, stick with me. It's coming up, I promise. So now we cut back to a barn slash church slash hospital. Don't really know what it is. It looks like an old church, but it's a barn because there's goats everywhere, and then there's sand on the floor. It's really confusing. But anyways, the doctor's in there, and the nurse is saying, hey, here's another one that's about to die. What do you want me to do? And he basically says, strap it down to the bed tightly. So we cut to later that night, and the doctor's wife is taking a shower. So yeah, some more nudity. It's Italian flicks. You're going to get it. But you kind of get this shot where it's a POV shot from outside, and you see a zombie hand come up into the glass as they're staring through. And that kind of sets up the whole next section of the movie. So we know that she's an alky already, but how do we make it even better? Ah, she's a pill popper, too. Yeah, she's a really happy camper. But at this point, she kind of realizes there's something wrong, and she's hearing something in the house. So she takes off running and goes into basically, I guess it's a closet. It's just an empty room. And while she's trying to close the door... She can't get it shut. And then all of a sudden you see some fingers that are sticking through the doorway. And they're obviously all decayed looking and stuff. She starts slamming the door and it basically just cuts those fingers off and they fall on the ground. And she runs over and grabs a huge desk and starts pushing it against the door to try to keep it closed. And the door is just a flimsy wood slat door. So it's not a heavy duty door at all. And that brings us up to the part of the show that I love to call, Can Your Movie Do That? How do they do that anyway? While she's forcing this desk up against the door, a hand comes through and grabs her by the hair and starts pulling her towards them. And in the process of doing so, all those wood slats that were busted open are facing back to her, and there's one that's directly in line with her eyeball. Right here, we get one of the slowest, gut-wrenchingest shots ever put on film. This thing is intense. I love showing this to newbies because you can literally see them start pulling their head back when they're watching it. It's that intense. And it's that cool.
So basically, shish kebabbing her eyeball and leaving a piece of wood that hangs out is just a mile long. Can your movie do that? <laughs> Didn't think so. So coming out of the trauma of that, we cut to Pete and them finally arriving to my tool. <laughs> and upon arrival, the big Lebowski and Susan dive underneath the boat to look at it, even though they slowly, I guess, floated towards the island, I don't know. But now they're saying the drive shaft is broke on the boat. And out of that, we kind of get a repeat of the beginning of the movie. Zombie land there, raises up, bang, shot to the head. Doc getting pretty good at this. While those shots are going off, you get Jeff Bridges over here shooting flares in the air, trying to get attention to somebody on the island. Lucas, who is the doctor's helper, sees the flares, tells the doctor, hey, there's some people over there. You might want to go check it out. In the process of doing that, Lucas and the, and the nurse are taking another body that has just been shot and throw it into a mass grave and get ready to cover them up. Then we cut to the doctor driving a Jeep full of all of our people that were on the boat. And we get a big explanation of what happened to Ann's dad. So they arrive at the hospital slash barn thing. And Lucas comes running out and telling the doctor that one of his friends is in here and he's about to kick the bucket. So the doctor takes off, runs in there. And Pete and company say, hey, is there something we can do? Something we can help with? And so the doctor says, yeah, if you can, drive across the island over where I live at the college and check on my wife and make sure she's all right. Because he knows she's an alky. So the doctor goes in to his buddy and says, what happened, Fritz? And Fritz's arm is all chewed up. And he's basically saying that somebody out in the street attacked him. Then we get a shot of this stumbling zombie walking down the street. Looks like a just a pile of hamburger meat. And again, man, these zombies, that's what's so great about them. You think you can smell them. They just look like they would smell. It's incredible. <laughs> So coming out of that, you get Pete and company pulling up at the cottage, and they walk in, and to me, this is one of the greatest scenes of zombies, period. These things frighten me. And these effects, I think, are just incredible, man. These zombies are some of the best I've ever seen put into a zombie flick, period. These things are just awesome. To me, they're still so scary because they don't even turn and acknowledge that you're there. They sense that you're there. Dude, that's just creepy. And they're just pulling meat off of her, chewing it, and it's almost like a subconscious thing. It is great, great zombie stuff right here. It really breaks that scenario of a zombie that does this and comes at you like this. These things are just soulless, and that's what's incredible about it. They don't even need their eyes. They feel you there. Fast-moving zombies, my anus. These things had the horror of dread. Soulless creatures just roaming the earth, and you're the goal. So Pete and them are trying to get out of the cottage, and on the way out, there's two zombies standing at the door that won't let them out. So Pete basically grabs a pair of antelope antlers off the wall and jacks one of them in the head, and then the big Lebowski grabs this invisible weapon. I, if you watch, you can't see where it comes from, but he basically spear chunks one of them, shanks him, and then the, the weapon is gone. Then they bolt out the door, they jump in the Jeep and take off. 
So now they're driving recklessly across the island because that's what you do after you've been attacked by a zombie. But while they're driving, they're freaking out. And then all of a sudden, a zombie jumps out in front of them in the middle of the road, if there is a road. And they almost hit him. He basically dives. So that's a little weird for zombies to actually, again, these human emotion things, they kind of teeter back and forth. But hey, never mind. Doesn't matter. It sets up the next scene where they crash the Jeep and basically total it. But I'm telling you, it's not much of a crash for it to total the Jeep. It's pretty lame, actually. During this process, Pete gets his ankle broke. Now, I've seen worse wrecks on bicycles. It shouldn't have broke Pete's ankle. Just saying. So now our group is on foot, except for Pete. He's on, well, he's literally on a foot. So now they're on foot, and they're trying to get back to the church barn thing. So our group that's traveling on foot decides to stop and take a break. And while they're sitting there, they kind of split up. you got Ann and Pete at one area, Susan and Big Lebowski at another area, and Jeff Bridges finds an old helmet, and they find out it's over 400 years old. Now, how quickly he realized that, well because it's a conquistador helmet and they're basically in a graveyard where they stopped <gasps> brilliant so what's going on here is pete finally starts making his move on Anne, and while they're on the ground these zombie arms come up out of the ground and grab them and hold them into place then then jeff bridges hears him yelling he comes running across and it sets up an iconic scene which leads to the character that we see that's on the actual cover of the dvd susan is there alone and all of a sudden she sees old worm eye come up out of the ground right and he's in no hurry, man. And that's the thing about it. She's just standing there looking. And, man, you could have been way, way from this guy by the time he gets out of the grave. But he's iconic. He's what you think of when you think of this movie. And he basically comes up and gives her a tracheotomy. And it's all in slow motion. So you just get this pure of just a fountain of blood coming up. 100% Fulci right there. So after Anne and Pete get free, they all run over to see Susan, and she's laying there dead, bloody from head to toe. And Jeff Bridges basically takes his gun, fires a couple of shots at old Worm Eye, and he turns around, and you realize that well, you can't shoot them and don't kill them. Hello, zombie logic. You just bashed one in the head earlier. That seemed to work. Let's try it again. So Pete grabs a big metal cross, whacks Worm Eye in the face. He falls on the ground, busts his cantaloupe open with that cross, business is done. Jeff Bridges is all upset about losing Susan, but the other ones are like, look, we gots to go. We got to get out of here right now. So they pick dude up and they're taking off and here we go. We're still heading towards the church. And all during this point, you get all these zombies coming up out of the ground. But I have to admit, even a dude in a wheelchair could literally fall out of the wheelchair, grab the wheelchair with one hand and pull that wheelchair across the island floor and get away by the time these zombies get out of the ground. They're that slow. Just saying, they really take their time. They've been dead a long time. It's at this point that the doctor is losing another patient. Everybody's just dying left and right. And he starts hearing a banging at the door, right? So our folks have finally showed up. He goes to let them in. And then the craziness begins. And you also get a shot of all these zombies that are just starting to come into the scene, right? Coming up to the building. And what I really like about this movie is there's a zombie for everybody. You got worm-faced guy, you got hamburger guy, you got big fat chubby guy, you got cockeyed zombie woman. There's a zombie for everybody. So now we got the doctor working on Pete's wound. Whew. 
That's more than a break, man. It looks pretty bad. And while he's working on him, the doctor says, what about my wife? Now, I don't know about you, but with a wound like that and the doctor's working on it, I'm pretty much going to say, she's fine. She's doing fine. She's doing real good. Because <laughs> ain't no telling what he would do to you if you said, yep, she didn't make it. But that's the chance that Pete takes. He says, nah, sorry, man, no go. You lost her. And at this point, you got Jeff Bridges running around. He's starting to barricade the windows, putting everything up, because we're getting ready for the shootout at Zombie OK Corral. You're starting to see some carnage now where zombies are trying to come through and they're bashing them in the heads with stuff. There's firing shots. It's just getting really, really awesome in here. So they decide with the arsenal that they have and a couple of gallons of kerosene, they're going to turn this sucker out. So while prepping for this big battle, the doctor goes back in the room to get his weapons, and he gets half his face bitten off by his old buddy, right? Uh, again, you got to do some prep work on this stuff, folks. If there's dead bodies laying everywhere and you're afraid that they could pop up and start biting you, you might want to do a little Elvis TCB on them first and then be ready to rock and roll. Because that just ain't happening. So that kills the doctor. He got his face bit. It killed him. Now in the main room, you've got Lucas over here that's prepping some kerosene. And you get a zombie getting out of his Ziploc bag and he bites Lucas on the arm. So now Lucas is going to be an issue. And right after that, you get the nurse that's getting attacked by the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine and some other zombie, and she's just, again, just standing there screaming when she could just bolt the other way. But no, I'm just going to stand here and let you walk up to me in 25 minutes and bite me. Oh, but Jeff Bridges comes in and saves the day. He takes those out with a few shots, and then we're back to kind of normal for a minute. But they forgot one thing. Lucas. So after grabbing the nurse, then he starts going after Ann, and Pete shows off his incredible, not great shooting skills, and it takes him four shots to shoot dude in the head. So now we get the big battle where the zombies have knocked down the barricade in the front because they've been slam dancing out front all night trying to bust the door down. They finally get it in. They're coming in there, and now we've got guns shooting left and right. We've got Molotov cocktails being tossed and catching zombies on fire. I'm not sure I understand the whole fire thing yet, but... I guess they decided we're just going to burn this place down. And that's exactly what they do, man. Lots of shots, lot of dead zombies, zombies catching on fire, body parts coming off when it catches on fire. It's some pretty awesome stuff. to where the building's in the worst shape they decide to bolt out of there and on the way out the big lebowski runs into susan that's right they didn't do anything with her so she came back he's stuck there and just awestruck and she bites him so pete and ann grab the big lebowski and they take off with him and they go back to the boat and while they're heading out you're seeing him starting to struggle it's the next morning he's just looking really really bad man he's not gonna make it matter of fact in that morning he passes on. They lock him in a room because they kind of want to use him as evidence to show what happened on this island. Ann thinks he's crazy for doing that, but that's what he wants to do. In the process of that, they decide, hey, we're getting close back to home. Let's check out what's on the radio because, you know, it's boring on a boat that long. And they turn on the radio, and this is awesome. They start hearing a news report of what's happening in New York. There's chaos in the streets. The National Guard cannot control the situation. 
in every borough of the city. From Brooklyn to Manhattan, from Harlem to Queens, the zombies are taking over. The city is at the And while this report is going on, you got Jeff Bridges starting to come back. He's rattling the door trying to get out. And then we get the shot, the end all shots, the Brooklyn Bridge, where you got the zombies that are walking across, which I'm sure they shot legally. And the announcer that's on the radio station talking about they're breaking down the door and coming in and you hear a big scream at the end. That's the end of the flick. Incredible. We've just been informed that zombies have entered the building. They're at the door. They're coming in. That's why I love my spaghetti horror movies with a little extra grated cheese, man. They really know how to top these things off. And I know a lot of people have trouble with the way these things move, the dialogue, even the overdubbing can be an issue for a lot of folks. But I'm telling you, when you get past that stuff, you're going to see things in these movies that you don't see anywhere else. They're originators. And even though it's an older flick and now you've got that rage of fast-moving zombies, kind of ticks me off. Which kind of brings me up to that next section that I love to call Rick's Rant. I think people forget what is really scary about zombies. It's not the fast-moving, angry thing. They've been dead a long time. They're not going to be up and be angry. I mean, that's about the same thing as a pack of wild dogs coming and attacking people. It's no different. Something fast-moving that comes and bites you and kills you real quick. Whoopity-doo. I mean, there's a lot of things that do that. It's not just zombies. That's the new craze. But what you're missing is the gloom and doom of these things. The scary part of this is you become doomed to this life. You are the monster. Either on that side or on this side. You're either only caring about yourself and nobody else, or you're one of those that want to do nothing but eat the other person. That's what's scary about it. Not moving fast. How's a fast-moving zombie any different than a guy that's got road rage? None. It's not a zombie. That's just rage. Then you can tie it back into all that 28 days later thing. Great movie. Don't get me wrong. But that's a disease and infection. That's explained. A big problem we have with horror movies now is we try too much to explain why things happening instead of letting you wonder why things happen. Sometimes what you don't know is way scarier than what somebody tells you. You'll hear that time and time again in these conversations for these flicks. Nothing is scarier than your imagination. And if you don't like my views, start your own Fast Zombies or Us show. I'll listen to it. Don't get me wrong, I do like these movies, but I'm not going to call a horse turd supper. Not liking this movie because your zombies don't run like Carl Lewis is almost as rude as Freddy Krueger giving you helpful tips for everyday life. Help others achieve their dreams, and I'll kill you in yours. Every day is a new beginning. Take a deep breath, smile, and get ready for Freddy. Tough times don't last. Tough people have knives for fingers, bitch. Don't let a bad day make you feel like you have a bad life. So yeah, this movie is great, and even though it lags maybe a little bit in some of the parts, but even though we're impatient with our movie making nowadays, it's got just enough craziness and goriness that you're going to want to revisit this thing and show it to other people time and time again. And this movie also caused the zombie movie making world to realize that painting a bunch of people blue and making them walk around like this is just not good enough to be a zombie anymore. 
Everybody had to take note. These things looked awesome. So you better have this one in your collection if you call yourself a zombie fan at all, because it's one of the best that there is. And look further down the road for some more episodes where we get some more great Fulci movies in this thing. Hope you enjoyed it. This is House of Wax. We will check you later. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, how would you like to actually see it? Check out the House of Wax channel on YouTube and have access to content that will only be available on that channel. Don't forget while watching this, click that subscribe button down there at the bottom. That way you know when the next show is coming up. Also, don't be a jerk. Go check out Legion Podcast. You see the shirt right here where you can buy this very shirt, all kinds of other merchandises. Not to mention the incredible lineup of horror podcasts that are on that show. Do yourself a favor. Go check it out right now. So what you gonna do now? Huh?